have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Hanging out with my boy Tony Pax here. Hello, Ben. And as always, we got Pyeth on the soundboard. Hello. Tonight we are going to be interviewing Charles Ratner. He's going to be on the phone with us. That's going to be in the second hour. Uh, but we're going to be talking about also going to be talking about the uh, the infamous November fifth fundraiser sure. and uh, the the shockwaves that it caused. Uh, first, we want to give a shout out to uh, one of our one of our listeners and, and friends, Dave Lopez, who uh, just got into a bad car accident. Um, What's wrong? <laughs> He's doing okay now, but uh, everybody, everybody, send your prayers and, and your well wishes. Hey, for Dave. baby. Yeah, we think he's okay, but definitely he's one of our our listeners. So get get well soon, Dave, and we'll uh, we'll definitely give you some shout outs uh, next show too as well. Yaha! Let's start off with this bombshell. Uh, Blair knew Iraq had no WMDs. So many articles this uh, this past week, Ben. I think we, bo- what we, we both have about eight or ten in our hands each that are just bombshells. But you, why don't you start with that one? It's banana. Tony Blair privately conceded two weeks before the Iraq war that Saddam Hussein did not have any usable weapons of mass destruction. Robin, Robin Cook, the former foreign secretary, reveals today. John Scarlett, chairman of the Joint Intelligence Committee, also assented that Saddam had no such weapons, says Cook. His revelations taken from a diary that he kept as a senior minister during the months leading up to the war are published today in the Sunday Times. They shattered the case for war put forward by the government that Iraq presented a real and present danger to Britain. Cook, Excuse me? Cook, who resigned shortly before the invasion of Iraq, also reveals there was near mil- there was near mutiny in the cabinet triggered by David Blunkett, the home security... Home sec- secretary when it first discussed military action against Iraq. The prime minister ignored the large number of ministers who spoke up against the war, according to Cook. He also deliberately crafted a suggestive phrasing to mislead the public into thinking there was a link between Iraq and Al-Qaeda, and he did not want United Nations weapons inspectors to be successful, writes the former cabinet minister. So. Yeah. Yeah, none of this really surprises anyone, I don't think. I mean, in the story that I have in front of me, before we get to the really ridiculous news, uh, topping Nixon, Bush disapproval soars to highest level ever recorded in Gallup poll. And I'm, you know, take it for it's what it's worth. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, this came out of the Royal story, and, and take it with a grain of salt, but uh, just a little bit. For the first time, George W. Bush has surpassed. George W. Thank you, Richard M. Nixon in, pop, <laughs> in unpopularity in the Gallup poll, receiving the highest strongly disapprove rating for a president in Gallup's history. A little notice statistic publicly noted in Gallup's poll write-up made a single headline in Google News. 
The story Internets. Internets. The story at editor and publisher was titled Gallup. Bush finally tops Nixon in unpopularity as call for Iraq pullout hits new peak. Now, I mean even in the in the in the article Gallup uh says that you know the this follow the classic job approval measure with strongly probe and only intermittent base over the years. So they're even saying that you know they haven't taken this poll over the history of our country. But uh, is it any surprise? I mean, how why did it take this long anyway for this article to come out? Not only a, once, but twice. Yeah, you I mean, really got to be a dummy if you still like this guy. Yeah, definitely. Be a dummy. How you know? How could you possibly think that this? is not the worst president in our history. Yeah. And nevertheless, that that comes out of the raw story. And once again, the article's name was Topping Nixon, Bush Disapproval Source, the highest level ever recorded in Gallup. Poll. check that out. But, I, I, Ben, I want to jump I in. I want you to be on my team. <laughs> I want to jump into the really uh, the crazy news. And, and once again, I can honestly say that the news this week is well beyond last week's news. It's incredible. It yeah. really is. So, yeah, big time. Uh, the first one, which most of you have heard, no doubt by now, Chinese-made toys containing date rape drug are pulled. This is, came out of the AP. This was on November 8th. Uh, I'm not even sure if I could finish reading this. This is how ridiculous. Millions of Chinese-made children's toys have been pulled from shells in North America and Australia after scientists found it contain a chemical that converts into a powerful date rape drug when ingested. Two children in the United States and three in Australia were hospitalized after swallowing the beads. In the United States, the toy goes by the name Aqua Dots, which are distributed by Spin Master Toys, which are based in Toronto. The beads are sold in general merchandise stores for use in arts and crafts projects. They can be arranged into designs and fused together when sprayed with water. Scientists say the beads contain a chemical that the human body metabolizes into the so-called date-rape drug gamma-hydroxybutyrate. When eaten, the compound made from common and easily available ingredients can induce unconsciousness, seizures, drowsiness, coma, and get this, death. Oh, hey, kids! <laughs> the, the recall was announced by the Consumer Product Safety Commission on Wednesday, several hours after it was announced in Australia. Ben... I don't even know what to say. Aquadots. I can't. I, I, if there's not enough funding to to really go after the companies in China that are releasing these toys, it's one thing to have lead. Yeah, lead's poisonous. That'll kill you. But to have the chemical that can uh, induce the you know the same symptoms as a date rape drug on a plastic necklace. Good it's grief! Really <laughs> unbelievable. It's a, it's, a, it's much cheaper than a date rape drug. <laughs> yeah. Just much, much cheaper. Is it possible that this is all done as an accident? Is it possible know. that this is... How First could this possibly happen? Yeah, I don't accident. know how that happens. Bullshit. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, That's crazy. Oh, God. You know, so there's the, you know, the kind of the uh, ridiculous item of the day, if you will, but then, you know, then we jump right into, um, you know, a lot more anti-protesting, which uh, Chicago, November 2nd, this is when the students face expulsion following anti-war sit-in. Uh, over 30 anti-war protesters at Morton West High School in Berwyn, Illinois, face expulsion for a demonstration at the school on Thursday. Uh, i got to read this. Over 70 students participated in a sit-in against the Iraq War on All Saints Day Thursday, November 1st. It began third hour when dozens of students gathered quietly in the lunchroom at Morton West High School and refused to leave. The administrators and police became involved immediately and locked down the school for a half an hour after class ended. Students report that they were promised that there would be no charges besides cutting classes if they took their protests outside as to not to disturb the school day. Students complied 
and were led to a corner outside the cafeteria where they sang songs and held signs while classes resumed. Hmm. Despite a police line set up between the protesters and the student body, many other students joined the demonstration. Organizers said they chose November 1st because it's, it is the Christian Holy Day called the Feast of All Saints and a National Day of Peace. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Actually, pretty impressive for students. Very nice. Good job. They wrote a letter and delivered it to the superintendent, Dr. Ben Nowakowski, who was present at the time stating the reason for the protest. Deans, counselors, and even superintendent tried to change... Get this, Ben. The superintendent, the counselors, and deans tried to change the minds of a few mainly those students with higher GPA scores, to abandon the protest. I don't even know. The school called <laughs> the homes of many of the protesters, those whose parents arrived before the end of school and took their students home or left before the protest ended at the final bell, received three to five days suspension. All others, an estimated 37 in total, received 10 days suspension. Okay. And the expulsion papers uh, were given to these uh, students. And get this, parents report that Nowakowski, the superintendent, stated that those, uh, there were 17 students, uh, I'm sorry, the students who were over 17 will also face police charges because of this demonstration. Yeah, well that's what, that's public schools for you, you know, they yeah. teach you, they teach you not to, not to dissent, don't be different, uh, don't question authority, don't do anything, anything according to that. And you know, the, the punishments that they gave are, are, are pretty typical. You know, look, if the students are doing something illegal, then fine. But uh, the article even says that parents and students report and the school's videotape shown to some of the parents confirms that students were nonviolent in their action. No, it's just it's all about teaching them to be slaves, man. It's just it's all that's what public schools are like in general. And then forget that, you know, some of the some of the students had the gall, the audacity to, to yeah. try to be different and try to speak out and to realize that, you know, the school is a government junction and that they have the right to protest against that. And, uh, you you know, the school suspends them and uh, and puts down the hammer on them like a good, loving government does. Yeah. Well, now, I've gotten word that a child is using his imagination, and I've come to put a stop to it. <laughs> very, very appropriate, Pyth. I mean, uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep this week, Ben, and primarily because I wake up to the radio in the morning and I hear these uh, these news articles. Uh, 914-613-3166, folks. Give us a call. The Animal Farm Show. We've got to hear from you because we got a lot more. Definitely. And drop us uh, an IM if you want on uh AOL Instant Messenger, the uh, screen name's Animal Farm Show, all one word. All one word. I have this article right here that this is another one of those things that we everybody already knew about but sort of came out this week. AT&T Whistleblower, I guess he sort of, um, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he installed the, the installed the systems that were used to, to track and trace everything that we do. All, uh, all of our phone calls and all of our uh, internet uh, traffic and our email and not just AT&T doing this, but AT&T hooking up with other networks and all doing this. Um, He's so evil. It's a combined effort, of course, and yeah. logically it would be. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, let me read a little bit of, of this and then we'll get into some analysis. AT&T whistleblower hits DC to stop telecom spying immunity. Former AT&T technician and wiretapping whistleblower Mark Klein traveled to the nation's marble halls of power Wednesday, hoping to persuade lawmakers not to crush the lawsuit against AT&T that is largely based on its allegations that his former employer wiretapped the internet on behalf of the government. The Senate Judiciary plans Thursday to mark up a measure passed by the Secretive Senate Intelligence Committee would let telecoms like AT&T and Verizon escape the vevy of lawsuits accusing them of massively violating American Americans' privacy, so long as the Attorney General writes a letter to the judge saying that the government told the companies that the president thought he had constitutional authority to evade the nation's privacy laws. I can't even continue. This is this is this is so disgusting. Okay, this is and this is what the problem is. Okay, if you're a private organization and you and you put forth a user agreement, 
mm-hmm. and that and that person signs a user agreement, then that's fine. I can understand that. But the second they start they start sharing that information with the government, sure. then they're violating our rights. Then the government's violating our rights, and that's just that's just flat out. I mean, that's that's constitutional. That's Constitution Class 101. If right. you don't understand that, you can't be spied on. You you. you Oh, man, yeah, I just and, and, call that a democracy. Yeah, and, and for those of you out there who use the mentality, well, you know, if I have nothing to hide, then I don't really mind. Yeah, I, yeah. Did the Jews have anything to hide? Yeah, huh? I mean, I, I Did would, the people I would, in Russia have anything to yeah, hide? It's the principle. I mean, you know, uh, we're not going to get into history and, and and it repeating itself, but all you need to know is that they're taking your rights away and they want to, you know, ultimately uh, enslave you. And I'm not talking necessarily about enslaving you in camps, but. Uh, you know, the bottom line, folks, is they want your records. They want access to everything you do. And you have to ask the question why. It's not because of al-Qaeda, I promise you. But it, don't believe me. You know, well, they put research. They had plans to, to put people in camps way before al-Qaeda came along. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, Rex 84, if anybody wants to Google that. Right. If Google you st- that. If you, just... still, if you still buy the al-Qaeda is going to kill everybody argument, then you got to call in and let us know why they're not securing the borders. 914-613-3166. Uh, just were pathetic. The whole country shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, I'm not going to get mad. No. I'm not going to get mad. Don't get mad. I'm not going to get mad. It's okay. It's okay. It's like we're all retarded I know. now. It I is. Know it, is. it is. There's a great article, folks, uh, called Zombie Nation, written by David Penner, uh, and it comes out of Counterpunch. Uh, I really actually do want to read. I know we're going to do a lot of articles here, Ben, but we could spend the whole show doing these articles because we have a stack that big of articles, but we won't. But I got to read this. Um, As the office of the vice president continues to scheme a plot for war with Iran, which would also likely correspond with martial law at home, the American worker continues to sink deeper and deeper into a horrifying abyss of economic, moral, and spiritual slavery. Even during the worst days of the the Depression, never was the American worker more crushed, more beaten, more defeated. Never was he more atomized, more alienated, or more alone. Listen to what people are talking about on TV, on the streets, and in restaurants, and it is clear that the American people are pathologically disconnected from reality. This disconnection from reality is particularly pronounced in both the media and academia, where most of the critical issues of our time are either completely ignored or drowned in a barrage of hyperbole and euphemistic blather. I'm going to stop there. I mean, what? this is one of the greatest articles I've ever written. Once again, it's called Zombie Nation. It's, it's pretty long. I, I can't read the whole thing. It's by David Penner uh, out of Counterpunch. Written on Saturday, November 3rd. A great article, folks. Really sums up basically the, the purpose of our radio show. I think I think we're all on the same page with David Penner. So give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. Zombie Nation. You know, we do have some, yeah, we have some good news. We're going to get into the Ron Paul stuff uh, after the first break. But, but really, Ben, I mean, um, I found – there were, there were the two articles that I found this week that really – immediately I said, you know, we have to talk about them. That's the uh, – the girl who got detention for hugging her classmate on Friday to say goodbye for the weekend. Oh, gosh. This really... Not another school story, please. This I is, just get so mad about the, when they screw with kids, man. This is above and beyond. I mean, I don't know what kind of message these 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 schools are trying to send these kids, but this... And I can't actually... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Mascota, Illinois. Two hugs equals two days of detention for 13-year-old Megan Coulter. Not related to Ann Coulter, thank God. The eighth grader, <laughs> the eighth grader was punished for violating a school policy banning public displays of affection. I, I got to read it again. I'm sorry. The eighth grader was punished. Oh, we have a break coming up. Thank God. I'm gonna go get some air. When we, when we come back, yes. Ron Paul news and uh, more articles. You guys having a killer time?
world dominated by fear and mass manipulation of the media. Who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Revere Radio Network, Rob Revere, or any other host on the network. They are the personal thoughts and feelings of the host given the presentation. We support total free speech here at Revere Radio Network, even when it's ugly. Enjoy. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. Then I understand there's uh, something else going on here. I don't know exactly what it is, but they said something about, remember, remember the 5th of November? If the 5th of November works out well, they really will remember the 5th of November. <laughs> and it will get a lot of attention. But, but just the fact that in that last quarter, uh, you know, I have been always the reluctant candidate. I've, I've really been backing off and waiting for that time when the people were really ready. I didn't realize how ready you really were. And... Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, the, for the last week of the third quarter, my staff came and said to me that we ought to send out a memo and see if we can raise another $500,000 and make uh, the, uh, the budget look better and make our, uh, our checkbook look better. So I said, all right, go ahead, but that seems like a lot of money. So after three days, I said, well, we raised $500,000. And uh, then they wanted to ask again. I said, again, so quickly for another $500,000. All right, go ahead, let's try it. So we sent out another memo. We ended up in that last week raising $1.2 million. So, uh, well, the truth is, it's not a Ron Paul revolution. It's your revolution. I just happen to be here, and I'm participating in your revolution, and I might be the fortunate one that maybe was able to turn on the switch. Evidently, there were a lot of people around this country that were as frustrated as I have been, and they were just waiting for an opportunity. Give us a call here at the Animal Farm. Dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up. Finish up! Welcome back, folks, to the Animal Farm radio show. Ben Miller, Tony Pax, and Paya from the soundboard. <sighs> the, um, I want to finish this article you know, as you can tell, I'm I'm kind of slipping over my words here. I'm a little jacked up on coffee, and I'm just uh, I'm angry, folks. And I, I I gotta tell you the truth, Ben. I know why Alex Jones, after listening to him for plus you know three plus years now, you know I know why he, he gets angry. Out. I, I got I can't blame him. If I was doing this for seven, eight years, or however long he's been on that show, and after 17 documentaries, when you hear alone, when I hear things like this uh, about a girl, uh, age 13 from Illinois, who got detention. For hugging her classmate, nothing sexual, not a boy, not even one of her, you know, her girlfriends. I got to finish this article, and I also want to compare it to another one just to show some uh, pretty intense contrast in our country. The eighth grader. Let me start from the beginning. Mascuda, uh, Illinois, Mascouta. I, I th- I'm pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. Two hugs equals two days of detention for 13-year-old Megan Coulter. The eighth grader was punished for violating a school policy banning public displays of affection when she hugged two friends Friday. I f- hey, baby. Yeah. I feel it is crazy, said Megan, who was to serve her second detention Tuesday after classes at her middle school. I was just giving them a hug goodbye for the weekend, she said. 
Megan's mother, Melissa Coulter, said the embraces weren't even real hugs, just an arm around the shoulder and slight squeeze. It's hilarious to the point of ridicule, Coulter said. I'm still dumbfounded that she's having to do this. District Superintendent Sam McGowan said that he thinks the penalty is fair and that administrators in the school east of St. Louis were following policy in the student handbook. It states in the handbook, Displays of affection should not occur on the school campus at any time. It is in poor taste, reflects poor judgment, and brings discredit to the school and to the persons involved. That's what, Ben. That's what it says in the like handbook. Nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't believe it. Um, the way they just crush everything natural and everything. Show how does showing affection just completely normal is just goes out the window. You know, people. I would say if you get into a, a, a fight, if there's you know if there's racial slurs, then I'd say yeah, that's poor taste and that can discredit the school. The parents, thank goodness, at least the parents are doing something. The parents urged the change in policy. Um, the mother said that uh, she and her husband told their daughter to go ahead and serve the detentions because the only other option was a day of suspension for each skipped detention. We don't agree with it, uh, but I certainly want her to get. I uh, don't want her to get in more trouble her mother said oh my gosh what that mother needs to go in there and shove her foot up his ass man yeah, well what my, the I mean, hell if, if this was my mother uh, the, the the town would uh, be on fire oh right now the couple gosh. the couple plans to attend the next school board meeting to ask board members to consider rewarding the policy and i think that's a good idea or be specific in what is considered a display of affection and here's a quote. Megan, the 13-year-old girl, I'm just hoping the school board will, will open their eyes and just realize that maybe they shouldn't be punishing us for hugs. Now, as ridiculous as this article is and as much as I want to – as much as it really angers me and I want to uh, start using a lot of swear words. Break something. I then read this article coming out of Fox where birth control is being offered at a middle school. And this is in Maine. Middle school students are at the center of a. This is amazing. Middle school uh, students are at the center of a controversial movement as the Portland School Board re- recently gave the green light to their medical staff to prescribe children as young as 11 years old prescription birth control medications. Meanwhile, the, they call them the tweens because a tween is someone from age eight to eleven or something like that. The tweens don't have to notify their parents. I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> it's it, it, Pyth, you know, you, you Pyth, you make the day that much better. Um, Lucky, uh, you know, I, this is King. What were we Mi- talking about again? King Middle School. <laughs> um. You look it up for yourselves, folks. But we have we have one school that is giving out birth control to age 11 kids. Oh, my And we have gosh. another school where hugging after school is banned. And you tell me what's wrong with that. I don't understand what, what the hell we're doing. What is going on in what this are we, country? What are we teaching our children? <laughs> I feel so, – I, honestly, I mean, I, when I went to school, school is difficult. Everybody who went through school knows it's very challenging. It could be very traumatic. I don't know what – I feel so bad for these kids and these children today and high schoolers today, what they're going through. I mean, no wonder why oh, they're like, even it's more like confused. The kids in high school, it's like a prison, man. They this got unbelievable. They got, they got cops walking around with handcuffs, fully armed, just smacking a stick on their yeah. their palm. Got cameras all over the place yeah. in the bathrooms. They were like fat guy, fat belly bastards watching them, watching schoolgirls pee and stuff. Yeah, and, just, and while gross, all this man. and while all this is going on, you know, you, you turn on Fox News after dinner or after work, and you hear about Britney Spears, and you hear about. Uh, Paul McCartney and who he's dating. You have major issues other than the war in Iraq and foreign policy. You have major issues here at home. 
uh, that are that are going on that need to be addressed. It's that zombie state America that you were uh, reading before. Yeah, it is. Everybody's uh, just seriously. a zombie and nobody cares. We we read all these articles and everybody's just sort of like, eh, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, then you, yeah. If you go, if you, you go, just, you go, you go online, and then you see a, a Britney Spears nipple slip, and it gets like fifty thousand hits. Yeah, you know, uh, this, if, if for those of you who just tuned in, once again, I gotta point you to this article. Zombie Nation is the title of the article, written by David Penner. Uh, it comes out of Counterpunch, and it came out on November third. It's a really, it's a quick article. It's only three pages, two and a half pages, but it really sums up in so few words. Uh, really what's going on, kind of what we're trying to rant about and, and, and get angry about here on the show. Uh, he really does a good job, so you know I'd love to have him on the show. But um, we do want to get into some good news, and specifically talking about Ron Paul news. Yeah, but let's let's give out the number again. Let yeah. let people uh, give their give their two two to five cents on stuff. Yeah. The number is one nine one four six one three three one six six. Say it again. I'll say ahead, it again. Say it again, Ben. Nine. One, four, <laughs> six, one, three, three, one, six, six. Yes, you could also Skype us at Animal Farm Show, one word. You could also send us a instant message on AIM at Animal Farm Show, which is one word as well. And uh, just for you folks who've never called in, if you do call in and uh, you know you don't immediately hear us, uh, you know, say hello to you, just hang on. As long as you hear the show in your ear, you're all good. Just give us some time. So once again, nine one four six one three. 3166, as Ben mentioned in the beginning of the show, we will have Charles Ratner, uh, uh, second hour on the show. We're going to talk about Freedom to Fascism, Aaron Russo, the late Aaron Russo's film regarding the federal income tax. We're going to have a little bit of a debate and discussion on that. But before we do, uh, Ben, we said it last week, we were very uh, much anticipating the 5th of November. Yaha. And uh, it was a huge, tremendous success. It was a tremendous success, but I want to point out something that, that uh, you know we had talked about last week and that I had thought that, that the goal was, uh, uh, you know, a hundred thousand people giving a hundred dollars, and that was going to be ten million dollars. And I guess that that sort of went out the window a while ago. And I, I guess I was a little misinformed on that. So I apologize, but uh, um, I don't you know, think you were misinformed. I think that see that the, that was the, the initial thing. Well, the thing was this wasn't initiated by the Ron Paul campaign at all. In fact, Ron Paul yeah. says it in one of his speeches where this was kind of a this is another one of the grassroots victories. Really, it came mm-hmm. from the grassroots. He never put this out as uh, as an option. Uh, he's very humble about these types of things too. Uh, the fact that he's breaking down doors and breaking records is, is, is amazing. He's still very humble about what he's accomplished so far. But no, this was from the uh, the supporters. That this is kind of a internet viral thing that went around as far as raising money on this day. Um, and I guess internet. Yes, with the uh, the Guy Fox, obviously fifth of November. Uh, London history thing, English and history all, thing. Yeah. I learned about it too. I mean, I obviously watched V for Vendetta, but I had no idea before that movie what what the day represented. So yeah, they were well, they were trying to uh, they were trying to mix him in with the whole with the whole Guy Fawkes uh, original gunpowder plot, which had nothing to do with what the campaign was about. So they were basically like, oh, all your uh, all your supporters are terrorists, pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and 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 to tell you, it got very little coverage on the news. I think uh, Wolf Blitzer. Briefly covered yeah, we, it. We have a couple of clips here. Yeah, you'll play those clips. Was covered. Fox News completely ignored it. Fox News completely. Was, those evil uh, doers. Like a hundred percent. They were yeah. just they were bastards about it. But uh, but he totally made shockwaves. I mean they we we definitely got into Gandhi's stage where uh, where they stopped they stopped laughing at us and now they're now they're attacking us. So that obviously means we're going to be winning coming up. Yeah. Which is pretty good. So we have a couple articles here attacking Ron Paul. Um, I have this. I have a a, a clip right here which is incredibly interesting because CNN basically puts out a report 
and basically just admits that the mainstream media is ignoring Ron Paul. Yeah. And this is coming from CNN, which is the mainstream media. And uh, I'll just I'll just give you uh, a statistic here. <laughs> um and uh, basically, I don't know exactly where this comes from. When we when I play the article, it'll it'll say uh, where the source comes from. But basically, Ron Paul got 4,695 mentions on television from people compared to John McCain's 95,000. He's been getting a lot of mentions, and I thought five wasn't mentions. he going bankrupt a couple weeks ago? He's he's his, wasn't his campaign in the dirt a couple weeks ago? John McCain. He sucks. He's got less money. He's not. He's got his supporters aren't aren't even freaking out like Ron Paul's supporters are and and he's getting you know what is it 20 times the amount of mention on television than ron paul is and i don't want to hear from people that oh woe is us that we're you know we're complaining because ron paul is not getting enough coverage screw you man this guy isn't getting enough coverage the media is controlling our entire country if you can't understand that this is a fight ben when we know it you know what i know and i'm sure all of our listeners know that we are in a fight for our liberty and our freedom so it's no it's no surprise to me in fact i tuned in several times um and while i was watching the counter on the ron paul 2008 website go up um i was you know tuning in frequently to all different types of news sources radio and tv alike and there wasn't one mention and finally i like i said i think wolf blitzer spent 30 seconds and uh, he almost turned white. He couldn't even believe it. He, you know, he, he thought maybe it was less than a million. And sure enough, folks, Ron Paul, grassroots supports, and then he broke down all records. Highest one-day total for Republican. Is that true, Ben? Uh, yeah, highest highest one-day total for a uh, GOP, I think, ever. Um, uh, here's the here's a clip right here, and it is, yeah. it is a wolf blitzer on the, uh, Money is cool. the Situation Room on CNN. I'm Ron Paul, and I'm running for president. Meet Ron Paul, winner of the biggest money bomb of this year's Republican presidential campaign. That's what his supporters call it, his money bomb. It means his supporters dropped $4,380,000 in 24 hours. That's $182,500 per hour, $3,042 per second. Thank you for uh, the support. We've always known the message was very powerful, but we didn't know how many people would support it. But his supporters call Ron Paul an Internet sensation, much like Howard Dean was. Only better. (laughs) Paul essentially stays out of the way and lets his online supporters figure out how to raise money. Their Net Roots campaign is sometimes wholesome and sometimes decidedly not. And if I'm so dumb, then how do you explain this? She and hundreds of thousands of others are hip to Paul because he's anti-war, fiscally conservative, and they say principled and honest. They know that despite a decided lack of traditional media coverage. Ron Paul did participate in all of the Republican debates, but after they ended, TV anchors ignore him. According to the tracking company VMS, Ron Paul's name was mentioned just 4,695 times on TV news and cable shows from August of 2006 to August of 2007. What a comparison? John McCain was mentioned 95,005 times. It's not something that's lost on Paul. I think maybe it might be, you know, a little lazy work on their part, and it's hard for them to believe that somebody that takes my positions uh, would have such a popular following. But after Paul's money bomb, things may change. While Paul lags behind candidates like McCain and mentions in poll position, he has more money in the bank than Senator McCain. I think that people are starting to pay attention. So the big step is, can Ron Paul make the jump from his early adopters to the mainstream? 
And Paul is already trying to slip into the mainstream. But he's honest, and you always know where he stands. He's running traditional TV ads in New Hampshire and will campaign the old-fashioned way in Iowa. And he'll be singing the same tune wherever he goes. And who are his supporters? Well, they're Republicans, they're Democrats, they're independents, they're young people, old people, anybody who is disenchanted with the candidates now in the lead. Carol Costello, CNN, Washington. Yeah, I mean, whether you agree with Ron Paul or not, I, I can't tell you how much I admire just how calm he remains when all this stuff goes on. He's saying that the media is a bit lazy when yeah. you know, when he really knows that he's being raped oh, yeah. on on uh, on the mainstream media by you know the lack of coverage. But what a gentleman! I mean, just what a what a great guy! I mean, the fact that he gets um, so screwed and and so little coverage on the mainstream media, and he's just. Yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a bit lazy on their part, but he's always positive, and he turns anything into positive energy. So, And then you got tools and douches that try to attack him. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sorry, you know, that all these phony conservatives uh, that you have in this pool with uh, Giuliani and it's McCain. It's I'm sorry that you have such filth running. I'm sure that – I'm sorry that you couldn't find anything from the machine that even remotely resembles a good candidate on the Republican Party. So it's not my fault, but, you know uh, – Attacking Ron Paul, and so it begins. Uh, I think this is actually the first mainstream attack that I've heard, except for Sean Hannity, you know, maybe with the interview. But this, folks, just sit down for this one. Ron Paul Fruitcake. That's literally the title of this article. (laughs) I'll read it again. November 6, 2007, out of CBS News. Ron Paul Fruitcake. Okay, (laughs) it's amazing. Political animal Ron Paul Fruitcake. Ron Paul raised a buttload of money yesterday. This doesn't really change anything, and everyone knows it, but I guess it's something to write about, so people are writing about it. But look, can we stop pretending to be political infants, even if we happen to be bored this week? It's cheap and easy to take extreme, uncompromising positions when you have no actual chance of ever putting them into practice. So, Paul's extreme un- uh, w- I'm sorry, Paul's extreme uncompromising positions really don't mean a thing. They don't reflect either well or badly on him. They're meaningless. And I wish grown adults who knew better would stop pretending otherwise. Ditto for his record-breaking fundraising day, which is just a function of the growth of the Internet as a political money machine and the curious but well-known fact that technophiles are disproportionately libertarian. Okay. Really? Who made that rule? Yeah. This guy's name, folks, is Kevin Drum, like the instrument. Drum. Kevin Drum. I have his email. I've already emailed him. On behalf of the Animal Farm Give Show. Give his email out. Yeah, his, this is what his email is. C-A-L-P-U-N-D-I-T. Calpundit at cox.net. C-O-X.net. Let me read it again. C-A-L-P-U-N-D-I-T at C-O-X.net. I know what the cox stands for. And uh, not for nothing, but this is unacceptable. This is ridiculous. These people aren't patriots. They're not defending the republic. <laughs> They're here overturning our country, mm. our precious nation. And this bastard goes on Tell to say, Alex. but I will say this. If Ron Paul really is suddenly a serious candidate, what do you mean I'm all serious. of a sudden? Of course, <laughs> yeah. Then I expect him to start getting some pointed questions at the next debate. Have you not watched the debate, sir? All yeah. of the, he gets he gets pointed questions every single Are debate. Are you retarded, sir? 
In the last Republican debate I saw, this noted truth-teller gave a strange and convoluted answer about his economic policies that the audience plainly didn't understand. No, no, not everybody's as stupid as you, dude. Well, you know, they listen, actually understand what he's talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Boston Red Sox in Yankee Stadium, you're going to get booed, granted. I mean, you're Ron Paul on, on the corrupt Fox News. They probably have the, the signs saying boo, you know. It, it's unbelievable, and... This, to me, when I read these articles and, you know, whatever, attack him if you want. You can't succeed in attacking this man. But it, to me, it just begs the question, is this really this man's opinion or was he directed to write uh, this type of article from God, his God, I love period? freedom. God bless you, George. <laughs> no, they, they – who you knows know. if they, if he if he was directed to write it or not? Who cares? Obviously, because a lot of these people really do believe that there's like this, you know, that he's really bad for the country or something. Yeah, listen, I mean, I I'm glad that, that people like this exist and that they write these articles because they look stupider after they're done writing these articles. But the the thing that really just really gets me angry is that he labeled Ron Paul a fruitcake. Now, you know, I'm not really for banning hate speech, but fruitcake usually is slander for homosexual, unless I am not from this planet. No, uh, we don't want to go that route. Ron Paul is not a homosexual, and is, you know, again, I, for the I record... Know, where does a fruitcake thing come from? I have nothing against homosexuals, but let's just let's just call the man a politician. I mean, jeez, that's, that's synonymous for scumbag enough these days, but please, yeah. to call him a fruitcake is ridiculous. That's unacceptable, and it's inappropriate, and, and this is just adolescent journalism. Yeah, that's that's a that's one of the things that they're trying to do now. They're trying to uh you know atta- trying to attack uh, Ron Paul supporters, saying that we really don't know what we're talking about. I'll debate any of you Fine. suckers any freaking day. And, 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 and honest to God, Ben, I, I I did email this guy, and once again, I got to give out his email. Kevin Drum. His email is c a l p u n d i t at c o x dot net. Email this man. I on the behalf of the Animal Farm, I emailed him. Um, Telling him my disgust with his article, but I also invited him on the show to call in and debate any of uh, any of us on the Ron Paul issues and uh, on his political stances. Of course, he didn't get back to us, but I, I figured it was worth a try. Um, yeah, good. You know, keep keep attacking him, but uh, get used to it, folks, because Ron Paul is here and he's here to stay and he's going to be in the race, Republican or not. Yeah, yeah. Bottom definitely. line, let's give out the number again for Go people ahead. that want to call in. It's uh, it's nine one four. Six one three three one six six. That's nine one four six one three three one six six. Are you guys having a killer time? I'm you having sure. a killer time. You sure are. You know, it's uh, like I said every week, Ben. It just gets more ridiculous, and, and I I don't even watch movies anymore because the the you know the fact of the matter is that the reality is more. It's more interesting. What we, the times we're living in these days really are that much more interesting, and I'm going to say it every show, so get used to it. Yeah, big time. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny. It's like uh, we're going to be talking about freedom to fascism coming up in the second hour, um, uh, but I want to give a shout-out and, you know, sort of point out a couple other movies that have come out recently, a couple documentaries. There's one uh, incredibly good one called Taking Liberties, um, and it's it, it's all about uh, what's happening in Britain and stuff like that. And that place is so screwed up, man. I mean, it we've, is. we've read a couple articles, we have. you know, about what's going on in Britain. But holy crap, it's a really good movie. Go go buy it. Go download it. Um, just Google it. It's called Taking Liberties. It's a really really good movie. It's just all about how how the British government is just being total Nazis with their citizens, just completely yeah. beating the crap out of anyone that that disagrees or anyone that shows up to to uh, um, the Bullhorn Parliament or anything like that. Yeah, so. certain areas in, in Europe, for sure, Ben, are, are much, much worse than, than any areas in America. There's some really high-tech police state going on. Um, 
in Europe, and I think specifically England. I, I've actually visited England, so I can firsthand I can say it. Um, yeah, you know, we don't want it to happen here, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, and speaking of they, uh, Ben, I did actually watch Endgame. I hadn't really watched the whole movie last week, so oh, that was nice. my apology. Yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty crazy, huh? Definitely one of his best films. And I, I again, I think if you're going to watch that film, you should probably watch a couple of other films first just to kind of get the introduction. But yeah, real deep and, you know, the Bilderberg group. And I actually don't think he spent too much time on it, but, I, you know, I think it's important to understand what this group does. And hopefully a show in the future will really contract on them. But well, as you said, freedom to fascism and the income tax, and uh, not to start the debate prematurely, but I thought if there's anything that we could talk about black and white and actually get an answer and get somewhere, uh, I thought it would be this issue, but I was sadly mistaken uh, up to about 5 in the morning doing some research on myself, and I personally, Ben, my opinion, I cannot find the answer to the questions that are being asked. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get Charles Ratner on the phone, uh, like, like Ben says, second hour, but uh, it's going to be a long debate, and I think it's going uh, to be really interesting. And definitely want your phone calls, folks, so we, we need you to participate, because uh, we're just trying to find the answers to, to this particular issue amongst many. Uh, 914-613-3166, 914-613-3166, give us a call. Um, but Ben, why don't you read the article you have in front of you? Yeah, let me read this this other attack ad for for Ron Paul. And this was uh this is from uh John Harwood, who was uh the person that we played uh, on our show last week, I think, or possibly the week before, the one that had um had described how don't mess with uh, Ron Paul supporters and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, we played it last week too. It was yeah two two weeks in a row. That was a good clip. Yeah. Don't and mess with Texas. He's basically uh he's basically. Uh, putting out another another thing, uh, another crappy article. It says, Ron Paul will have a hard time winning anything. Our new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll provides one more occasion for supporters of Ron Paul to face the music. Yes, he raised an impressive $5 million in the third quarter, matching John McCain. Beating John McCain, douche. Yes, he recently hauled an eye-dropping $4 million in 24 hours using the Internet. $4.3 million, douche. <laughs> and heaven knows his supporters have demonstrated the ability to win post-debate online polls, see below, and to fill my email inbox. Because I am so important. Yeah, poor, poor baby. Wow. <laughs> but look at the <laughs> national numbers. <laughs> Team Paul, he gets four percent in the Republican primary, far behind leaders Rudolph. I heard a new one, Rudolph Gulagiani. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I heard Adolf. Adolf Gulagiani. <laughs> John McCain, Fred Thompson, and Mitt Romney. <laughs> among Republicans, <laughs> among Republicans, just 11% rate him favorably. Fewer than 12% Republicans who rate Hillary Clinton favorably. 19% rate him unfavorably. Really? I wonder who's uh, dipping their balls in that in that uh, that cup of water there. <laughs> Putting the libertarian-minded Texas Commerce in negative territory. With numbers like that, Paul cannot win any contests on the Republican primary calendar, much less the presidency. Could the change? Could that change in a big way? Possibly, but anyone who bets on it would be foolish. <laughs> you stupid, ignorant son of a bitch, dumb bastard! <laughs> Jesus Christ, I met some dumb bastards in my time, but you outdo them all. <laughs> so he true. says possibly, but nobody, but anyone who bets on it would be a fool. And the top Vegas, <laughs> the top Vegas odds right now have him at one to three chances. Yeah, that's not the point. The fact of the matter is, yes, this guy went from a hundred to one candidate to a you know a twelve to one in yeah. Vegas, something like that, in a matter of weeks. Yeah. And, 
I mean, you know, the, all these articles are, you know, it doesn't matter, he can't win, and obviously they're upset about the fact that Ron Paul is making such a huge impact without the aid and, this, uh, and without being assisted by Fox News and, and, and you know, MSNBC and all those people. And and this this guy, uh, John Harwood, puts a poll at the end of his at the end of his uh, stupid article and it says, "Do you think Ron Paul has any chance to be president?" <laughs> and of course, it's like ninety four percent yes, yes. <laughs> and like you it's know, two percent no. <laughs> it's not. This is not a matter of opinion. The fact That's of the matter. I mean, that's a fact. Thank you, George. And you know, fine. I mean, even if you believe that the voting system's rigged, which I think you'd have a good argument, doesn't matter. Fact is the you know the fact of the matter is Ron Paul has a chance, and he can win the presidency. And uh, oh, he has more of a chance. He's got a great chance. He's if making people, great. If people like John Harwood don't stop being shiny turds about it and then well, trying to put him down. And you, you know, know, we like I said, we don't want we don't want to polish turds, Ben. But sometimes uh, <laughs> these things have to happen. We're up against a break, and when we come back. Uh, We're going to get some more stuff. We're not actually talking about the freedom fascism yet, but when we come back, some more Ron Paul news. Animal Farm Radio Show, 914-613-3166. gentlemen you bear heavy responsibilities these days we laugh at sheep because sheep just follow the one in front our oh, stupid sheep we humans have out sheep the sheep because at least the sheep need a sheepdog to keep uh, them in line humans keep each other in line and they do it by ridiculing or condemning Anyone who commits the crime, because that's what it's become, of being different. And what, what it does, Terry, when you step out of the little box of what would other people think, how do I put this in a way that people won't think I'm crazy, you then realize how small a box you've actually been living in. Most people have no idea the incredible threat we're under by the global elite. I mean, how am I supposed to sit here and explain to you the whole world's being set up to carry out eugenics operations? I have discovered that there is a whole parallel government operating. I have discovered there's a whole new world order. I have discovered all their documents. I have posted them. I have covered them. You know, you created the Federal Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11, which is another lie. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror, and now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie, and now they're going to do Iran. 
It is perfectly possible for a man to be out of prison and yet not free, to be under no physical constraint and yet to be psychologically captive. The nature of psychological compulsion is such that those who act under constraint remain under the impression that they are acting of their own initiative. The victim of mind manipulation does not know that he is a victim. To him, the walls of his prison are invisible, and he believes himself to be free. That he is not free is only apparent to other people. His servitude is strictly objective. I'm just warning you, person to person, you better start researching my claims. You better start looking into what world government and what neo-feudalism and what serfdom means. Ron Paul and others have pointed out that Hitler and Stalin and people didn't have the nerve to put stuff like this down on paper. They just did it. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. The survival of our friends is in danger. The ultimate goal is to get everybody in this world chipped into the truth that are by the chip and uh, have all money be on those chips and everything on those chips. And if anybody wants to protest what we do or violate what we want, we just turn off the chip. Because somebody can sell you something, but you don't have to buy it. When you understand that you've bought into it, that these people have no power at all, they do have control, but you have the power. You give it away. The fact that we as ordinary people even have an Alex Jones or anyone is a miracle to me. It is brilliant. So when you're getting pessimistic, for a moment think that it's extremely recent times that we've even had the privilege of discovering this. That is a very recent phenomenon. Folks, welcome back. You are listening to the Animal Farm here on Revere Radio Network. I'm your host, Ben Miller, with Tony Pax Hello. and Hyatt. Phone Hello. number is 914-613-3166. That is 914-613-3166. Give us a call. Tell us what you think about these uh, bastards that we're talking about. Very well put, Ben. Very well put. Uh, just uh, every week, uh, more anger and more anger and... Uh, the good news is that I think we're, we're stepping up our actions. We're trying to do as much on uh, our end as we can. You know, we're doing more research and, and taking some action. But, uh, folks, we want you to call in and participate. We want to get some answers from you. You know, we want to get some feedback as well. So definitely give us a call. I have another. I have another clip of another dumb person again. Oh, there's a lot of them. Go ahead. Should I play? Yeah, them? absolutely. Okay. The dumb person. He was on Tucker. We always welcome dumb people. <laughs> he was on Tucker uh, Carlson, who has has now turned into a dumb person. That show makes me break out in hives. Or, yeah. Well, no, he's always been a dumb person. But he, yeah, what happened was, is I guess like you know when Ron Paul was first unpopular, Tucker Carlson couldn't say enough about him. Had him on his show. Was like, I just wanted to have you on my show once a week so you could just teach people about freedom and and what it means to be free. And then and now all he's doing is is you know, talking junk, man. They it's, get their email in the morning and it's. Uh, agenda this and agenda that bunch of play the clip yeah they have this guy joel stein from uh, time magazine on who obviously doesn't know his ass from his thumb so <laughs> here it is so i would say yes there, there probably is a risk i could win now would you <laughs> Would you accept uh, a vice presidency i i probably wouldn't be offered one <laughs> 
That was Ron Paul, one of the large handful of Republican presidential candidates doing everything in his power not to be the little known also ran and succeeding. Despite being at the bottom of the poll rankings, Paul is doing pretty well with fundraising. He's taken in over five million bucks last quarter. That's a little less than John McCain. Above all, Ron Paul has a huge following, most of it online. Joining me now is someone who has studied that. He is LA Times columnist Joel Stein. He took a close look at what he calls the Ron Paul Revolution in this week's Time Magazine. <laughs> Joel, thanks for coming on. I, I'm impressed that you dare thanks to enter Ron me. Paul world. Good for you. What is this about? Who are his fans? Oh, man, they're crazy. I, they're not just on the <laughs> Internet. They show up to see him speak. Like I saw maybe, I don't know, 700 people show up for 300 seats out in Iowa. It's amazing. What, what, why? I mean, okay, let me just, just for those who haven't read it, let me read one of the opening lines of this piece uh, this week uh, that Please, you wrote about yes. Ron Paul. So give, it, give, it, give it your all, though. I, I will. Yeah. It says, Ron Paul goes to a college and delivers the same speech he's given for 30 years of his political career, the one espousing the Austrian School of Economics. Only now the audience is packed with hundreds of kids in Ron Paul t-shirts who go nuts. They give standing ovations when he drones on about getting rid of the Federal Reserve and returning to the gold standard. Now, what is that? Are they really there because they want to return to the gold? standard? You know, I couldn't figure it out because he would talk about like legalizing drug or ending the drug war and then he would talk about ending the war in Iraq and they would they would applaud, but they went crazy for the uh, fiscal stuff. I think it's the, the only thing I can get out of talking to people is that they see that there's something corrupt going on with the military industrial complex, whether Dude. it's Blackwater or Halliburton, and he seems to be like the radical that wants to change it. So it's not, it's not just Plus about the adorable. war. They're not just liberals who are mad about the war and he's got the most radical position in the Republican Party. It's they like the idea of small government, you think? I think they like just that he seems like the guy from Network who's going to yell and tell Washington to go screw itself. I think <laughs> he's just the radical this year. How does, he, how does he seem about that? I mean, you say it's kind of bewildering for him to all of a sudden be popular after decades of relative obscurity. Does he seem comfortable with it? Yeah, he seems confused. He, he, I think he believes that after 30 years, it just took a long time for people to hear him, and they're finally Shut paying up. attention. So I think he feels really vindicated, <laughs> but he's also just like this little nerdy guy who's confused. I mean, he's used to he's speaking to small groups of people about obscure subjects. So it, it's pretty freaky, I think. Is he a good, and I say this as someone who I voted for him last time in 88, and I like Ron Paul a lot, yes, but sure I, you do. I've never thought of him as a good speaker. Has he gotten better? No, he's horrible. He's like uh, the professor who, you know, you know he's smart. His book was supposedly really good, but you're, you're not going to stay awake the whole class. But uh, if he does it. He's like, he's, there's something charming about him. You know, he's an older, cute little guy. Well, uh, describe the average Ron Paul fan. Are they like the Dean followers? Well, no, no. They're, they're definitely uh, nerdier than the Dean followers. I hung out with the Dean followers four years ago in New Hampshire, and they're a good-looking group. They're like little Kennedy kind of, you know, JFK kind of followers. These yeah. people are uh, are pretty nerdy and hardcore. Like I saw a guy standing in Iowa outside a speech with like a tri-cornered hat, ringing a bell with the full revolutionary suit. Um, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of 9/11 truthers like to the far left who who like him. There's Bullshit. a lot of anarchists like November 5th, Guy Fox Day is his big fundraising day that his followers have created. So uh, there's a lot of freaks out there. <laughs> Whoa. Including Oh God! Where do we want to start? What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. <laughs> At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. <laughs> Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Well, 
I think P hath said everything that we could possibly say, but I do want to say a couple things. I have tons I must, of stuff to say. I literally re- I wrote down about three things during that interview. I don't want to try to attack the guy because I don't yes, need let's to I don't, attack him. I don't need to do that because he's already done that for himself. But did I not say? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm wrong a lot. So, did I not say last week that they're going to anybody who's going to try to attack Paul? was going to try to link him to the 9-11 truth movement. I could have swore mm-hmm. yeah. I said that last week. Maybe yeah. I'll dig it up. Not because yes. Maybe I'm going crazy. No, you said it. But uh, I think, and I'm not, again, Tucker Carlson's just a puppet. He's probably acting the whole thing out. But I really believe when you talk to other people, just the general population, about Ron Paul and what he stands for, I don't think the population, some people, I don't think they're ready for that. Yeah. I don't think it's such a shock to think about, you know, decreasing the size of government and not having them protecting you all the time. People think and have this, um, this, this idea that government's just protecting us all the time and then we need them. We have this need for government and Paul is so obviously against that. I don't think the population's ready for him. His, uh, this guy's whole thing and he's just like, uh, yeah, a little bit stoned and like. I think but, but he. Yeah. What's it, but his deal is like, he, he he thinks that I guess Ron Paul's just a confused old man or something. He called him a confused old man. He said he was then, cute. And that 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 a was cute, weird. Confused old man. Okay. Yeah, my girlfriend's been like, oh, he's so cute. He's such a cute old man. But he, he she, it's never been like. <laughs> it's one thing for your girlfriend to say that, Ben. It's yeah. a whole different thing for your <laughs> but, this dude to say it. But the thing is, is that he. And then he calls Ron Paul supporters ugly. Now, I mean, I know it's the radio and you can't hear us. Oh, but, please, yes, stop! But I can't take the I abuse. I can tell you for one thing, man. I'm a strapping young gentleman, and you so, are is, a... so is Tony. <laughs> and and Pyatt's not too bad. We're all gentlemen. You're sick of all of them. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like okay, we're ugly and and we're also stupid because we don't know what he's talking about. He's like confused and and he's just the guy in the network who's kind of nuts and going crazy in front of everybody. And then we're just we're just cheering because we need something to to cheer for. And that's uh, that's sort of this guy's theory on the whole thing not no it's not that we know what we're talking about and that the country's really screwed up and that uh you know that that we might have something to say in regards to that uh, ben tony you know Pieth said it best uh, i don't think you know, Pieth said exactly what needed to be said the fact that there are <laughs> sponsors who sponsored this segment of filth on tv is enough to make me want to vomit on myself this is ridiculous of filth. <laughs> this, this is not even a political discussion this this was like a stoner talking to someone on tv I mean, what was with the reaction time? I'm not gonna. I, I said I wasn't gonna attack him, whatever. But seriously, I mean, th- this this is a waste of television. Yeah, and, a, and, and I don't even. I don't even want I'd rather to attack watch people sur- that, that. I'd, that I'd rather watch survive. I mean, he probably does smoke weed, but who cares? You know, if he who does doesn't? smoke weed, that's 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 his business. You know. He's an enemy of the Republic. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe you should smoke a little weed, uh, Alex Jones. You know, relax a little bit. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Oof. I don't know. Ta- uh, again, I mean. I don't even know. I, this is... I don't smoke marijuana. It makes me oh. paranoid, but oh. I think it should be legalized. George Washington smoked it, and, and it has thousands. True. It's a miracle drug, sure much is. bigger than aspirin. Well, that's Thank, true. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that insight. Thanks. At least, at least someone's got a brain right? around here. Oh, oh, yeah. Either way. But I, again, I mean, I, I don't even know how much more I can go on, because I, I, it's, I'm just so speechless when I hear stuff like this. But, hey, you know what? It's good feel. It's good for radio. It makes for good talk radio. And uh, it, it keeps me going. And I, I'm telling you, I, every single week we've done this show, I've worked harder and harder. And I just want to I want to you know make the show as, as entertaining as possible, yeah, but really as informative as possible, more importantly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a good uh, good stress reliever yes. too. It's kind of like a punching bag for me, you know. I need to. It's my political punching bag. Mm, I, guess I need so. to take my anger out on. on Speak somebody. for yourself, man. Before I knew about all this crap, I was a much much less stressed person. But I'd still, you know, would rather know what's going on. Obviously, I'm the yes. kind of person I am. But I concur. 
I mean, this is just – I'm glad. I'm, like I said, I'm glad that this is going on. I'm glad they're making fools of themselves on TV because hopefully this will wake more people up. And like I always say, as, as awful as of George Bush is as president of the United States, I think he's opened up more eyes than any other president in history. George W. Thank oh, yeah. you, George. Totally. I mean, he's he's obviously uh, – you know, he's, he's, he's retarded. But more than that, I mean, you know, he he wakes people up because of what's going on. We got on. an issue in America. I sure do, you know. Put yeah. food on your family and all that stuff. And that's the truth. And that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we'd have to we have to be glad there is the balance. Yeah, and then, uh, an announcement in regards to Ron Paul, and then we'll drop it because it's like all we're talking about here is is he's going to be last hope, folks. I'm sorry. I know it's it important. Is. It's, it's a, a last hope. I think it's it perfectly is. reasonable. It's very it's sure very is. important. But he's going to be on Face the Nation on Sunday. So uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, listen to that. Check it out. Um, but like I said last week, Ben, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you, you, we have to expect. This we have to expect him to attack him on these really childish little uh, in these little childish ways, not in front of his face. Obviously, they wouldn't have him on the show because you can't attack this guy. He's he's straight up, and if you disagree, then fine. But uh, you know, he's not a flip flop or anything like that, and you can't dig up dirt on him, which is amazing for a presidential candidate. So. Yeah, no skeletons in the closet. Yeah, no cocaine and hookers, I guess. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nevertheless, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're going to have Charles Ratner on the next, uh, after the next break. We're going to discuss the late Aaron Russo's film, America, Freedom to Fascism. Uh, for those of you who have seen it, you know it's about the federal income tax, mainly about the controversy uh, surrounding the federal income tax and the movement, another truth movement, um, of people who won't pay the income tax for a lot of reasons, so we'll get into it's that. It's the goof of all time. The, sure the is. number is 914-613-3166. So give us a call here, 914-613-3166. Give us a call, folks. We want to hear from you. Um, there were some good programs on this week. Uh, Lou Dobbs really is, I guess I would say, stepping up his action. I don't know if you caught it, Ben. He's stepping on the uh, the war against the middle class stuff and the border issue, and even uh, even your favorite dude, Glenn Beck, was <laughs> was talking about the border issue a little bit. But uh, it's getting a lot of attention, and I know now, maybe now more than ever, the the illegal immigrants getting uh, driver's licenses in New York. That's getting a lot of attention, and even Hillary. Hitlery, excuse me, Hillary Clinton was interviewed on uh, C- CNN and uh, Lou Dobbs' show. Not Lou Dobbs that himself. That's not going to be proven true. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, that's getting a lot of uh, press, and you know we have nothing really huge to update you on that. But uh, you know, as I'm it a, should, you know. Well, you know, again, I mean, the more you get, you hear these Democrats like Hillary Clinton get interviewed about these things, you know, you realize that there's not going to be any change. It's either Coke or Pepsi, and it's going to be the same crap that we're getting now. I mean, they say one thing, and they're not going to do it. And uh, I think she's for actually she from what I got from her she's for um, you know letting the governors of the states do what they want with the immigration. So oh she's like she's like Satan she's, incarnate. She scares she's, me more than Satan, Ben. She's so she's so Way bad, man. She'll I mean it's just I'm I'm I dread this every day. Yeah, I, I dread her and Giuliani running for president against each other. That's what I dread. That's my biggest nightmare. Yeah, that's that's just the end of America as we know it. If it doesn't happen before then. Um, but again, folks, we want to hear from you. Definitely give us a call before we have Charles on. We'll we'll take your calls during the Charles Ratner, uh, you know, America Freedom and Fashions uh, section and session and debate and whatnot. But nine one four six one three three one six six. We want to get some callers on. We want to talk about Ron Paul. Whatever you want to talk about, really, at this point, uh, we want to hear from you. And um, other than that, Ben, anything else that you wanted to bring up? I know we have some more articles, but I think we've pretty much read uh, the articles out. And uh, I'm not sure if you want to go. Back down that road because I start getting, I start sweating and, and getting a little angry. Getting, I get you know something? Angry. This whole thing is psychological. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, Pyeth on the soundboard, great, great job. 
Well, I have this Hello? article right here. Uh, Homeland Security retreats from the facets of a real ID. Um, this was this another was, piece of good news. Good, yeah, good job, this was, man. This is from the Washington Post. The Bush administration is easing its demand for tough national standards for driving license, acting at the behest of state officials who say the quote-unquote real ID plan is unworkable and too costly, officials familiar with the new policy said. While Homeland Security Secretary Michael I Am the Devil Chertoff hailed an agreement with New York Times last New York last week on more secure state identification cards for citizens as a sign that the tide is moving more rapidly in favor of real ID. <laughs> His department is prepared to extend deadlines for the second time in a year and ease or take over responsibility for new security me- measures, the official said. So, What the f*** do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- <laughs> yeah, well so said. Yeah, again, a little piece of good news between that and, and the seven-year uh, law that you know prohibits taxing the internet and stuff like that it's good it's good news i mean we are getting somewhere with some of these things and uh the real id act is a very very big topic and aaron russo actually talks about you know more on the verge of the chipping and the uh the actual id cards having the rfid chips in them crazy stuff folks yep. you know stuff yeah, he, that uh he does talk about that uh yeah. in his film and how that's sort of been implemented already and it's sort of going to be happening i think the deadline is 2007 or 2008 2008 I think. yeah that's um, when it goes into effect but but rfid implemented into the actual card itself which is nuts and, and passports are doing this now as which well. will just yeah which will just lead to the implementation of the you know implanting your arm or whatever else as long as you'll take it i don't think that's going to happen i got to tell you the truth ben on the record i don't think americans are going to accept that kind of thing the id card maybe they might they americans the are kind of retarded right now you'd be surprised card. the id card fine I mean, the id card is no different ID than card, yeah. it's the same damn thing no one's going to even think about it. i mean i actually uh you know, they have the credit cards now with the RFID in them. It's just, you know, getting us ready for it. But the implantable microchips, I don't, I hope to God that that's not ever going to. Well, I think it'll just be implement, incremental like uh, everything else yeah, is, well, you of know. Course. It's sort of. Slowly but surely. Yeah, it'll sort of be like, uh, you know, the, the proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there, what it's going to happen is sort of, you know, certain jobs are going to require you that you have that. I mean, they're already requiring sure. that you have a implanted microchip in order to, to get the job there, that you consent to having it eventually at some point. So uh, that's that's the way I think it's going to be implemented. And that's just that's just hell on earth for anybody that can, that can really think for themselves and understands history and understands that the tracking and controlling of, of human beings is, is essential towards uh, the... Uh, the baseline of tyranny. Yeah, regardless of Bible, yeah, regardless of Bible prophecy or not, whether you uh, buy into that or not, that's that, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, you know, folks, uh, like Ron Paul says, do you, what do you think the role of government should be? Should they uh, take care of us from cradle to grave? And uh, do you really need them to protect? I don't need government to protect me. In fact, I don't want them to protect me anymore. I'm getting sick of this yeah, now. I can protect myself. Creeps. I'm a man. Uh, I'm sick and tired of them watching over me and doing all these things. I don't need their protection. Close the damn borders, and that's all I want. And start spending money in this country where it needs to be spent. I'm the decider. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's why we're doing this. So, you know, it, it's only so long before I put my hand through a wall. But, you know, that's why we're uh, doing the show here, Ben. So we want to hear from you, the listeners out there. We know you're out there. We know you're out there. 914-613-3166. 914 3166 or just Skype us at Animal Farm Show, one word. Uh, give us your thoughts, folks. We we need some input and we need some people to disagree with us. That We need somebody to disagree with us sooner or later because we're <laughs> certainly not right on every issue. And, and with politics, it really never is right or wrong. We need to know what you think. 
I know. I'm starting to get a big head here. I'm starting to think that I'm the, yeah. the most <laughs> right person in the world. Well, you know, yeah. Oh boy. We have uh, pilgrims in an unholy land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness for Pieth. It makes it all worth it. But <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Hello. How are you? Hey, baby. There you go. So what else have we got over there in the uh, in the old pile of Rooney? Well, you know, the, the basically uh, everything that we, we had in the pile, we read in the first, uh, I guess, 20. I ran through a lot of articles just out of pure rage. Yeah, um, I know. But, you know, again, it just, just reading the variety of the articles between the anti-protesters, and I don't know if you call it the Bill O'Reilly covered that uh, last night. I believe he covered it last night. You know, it's the same crap. I don't want to play it. I'm getting sick of Bill O'Reilly. It really wasn't worth playing. But, you know, again, all this type of um, labeling of free speech and protesting as anti-American, and they always try to scoop it into something where, you know, oh, well, you know, they, they disobeyed an order and the authorities and all this stuff. And uh, the brainwashing is working, obviously. And uh, many of my friends have no idea what's going on. They, they're completely oblivious and in a lot of ways apathetic. It's like we're all retarded now. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it really is, you know, and that, that's what kind of scares me because how could you be so oblivious, even if you, you know, even if you consider yourself a Republican or whatever the hell you consider yourself, to be so oblivious as to what's going on and to, to not even understand or even want to understand more, more uh, appropriately, what's going on in, in our own beloved country these days? Uh, and I actually was listening to Coast to Coast last night. I'm not sure if you got you caught it there, Ben. They had uh, a guest on. I caught a little bit of it. And, uh, you know, talking about the North American Union, and this guy was just going off on some pretty heavy, heavy issues um, regarding the North American Union and the fact of the dollar. And I really, Ben, I really want to do a show only on finance and the dollar. And we, uh, have, pl- yeah. we have plenty of people that we can call and talk to because that is such an incredibly important issue uh, for people to know what's going on with the dollar. And I'm, I'm freaking out. I think I might start investing in some other uh, I don't know, currencies, maybe invest in some precious metals. Gold is at an all-time high. Every day it seems like you read an article where gold hits a new high, the dollar hits a new low uh, against the euro. Before you know it, we're going to have the peso. I mean, goodness Lord. It's at the lowest It's at the lowest point it's ever been, the dollar right now. And you know, God help us, Jesus. God and baby Jesus help us. <laughs> and this guy, this guy, Joel Klein, wonders why people are clapping so loud when Ron Paul talks about uh, you know fiscal responsibility and restoring our economic strength. And of course we're going to freak out. Of course we're going to clap like crazy because he knows what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's the bottom line. And when, after this, um, after we go back to another break, listen to the Aaron Russo clip. Uh, he was interviewed after he made the film Freedom to Fascism. And he kind of talks about the dollar and the income tax and uh, inflation and stuff like that. It's no wonder why... Um, it's so difficult to hang on to money, to buy anything these days, or to just get out of debt, plain, plain and simple. It's almost it just cost me six thousand dollars. Yeah, because when your <laughs> when your currency is devalued constantly, and you're paying off debt on something, uh, you know, you, you can't get from underneath. You can't get out. So it, you're you're forever in this system of debt. So I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's essentially it's essentially modern day slavery, uh, debt. That yeah, is, you know, it really is, and you know, it's it, for people our age, Ben, and for anybody, people that are uh, homeowners these days, or people, like I said, people in schools these days. I really feel bad for them as well because they're going into a really terrible system, and by the time they get out of school, who knows what situation is? But it's scary, and uh, I'm just trying to figure out what to do because you know I ne- didn't never really learn much about finance in school, <laughs> that's for sure, and I'm just figuring these things out for myself and trying to learn as much as possible. So maybe we'll have a show coming up about finance and maybe uh, we'll get some guests on but we are up against a break right now when we return charles ratner will join us we'll discuss in aaron russo's america freedom to fascism stay with us animal farm radio show
six six. Yeah, go ahead and finish up. Finish up. In a world dominated by fear and mass manipulation of the media, who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. What's happened is the treasury, which owns the gold on behalf of the American people, has given the gold to the Federal Reserve, these private bankers, as collateral for the dollars these bankers print out of thin air. So the bankers have basically swindled, with the cooperation of the Congress and the government, the bankers have swindled the American people by taking all our wealth, the gold, and giving us a piece of paper that ultimately has no value. It's just a piece of paper with no backing to it. So what you have is what's called a fiat currency. And this fiat currency, the Federal Reserve can make out of thin air all they want. And because of this, ability of the Federal Reserve to print money out of thin air or to make digits out of thin air, and they call it money, it gives them the power to control the government. Because whoever makes the money makes the rules. That's the name of the game. So they can own everything they want. Everybody, everybody's, America has gone from being a nation of people who own their own property, own their own businesses, to a nation in debt. Because all money is created by borrowing. And this country has become people who just live by borrowing. What's my credit report? How much can I borrow this week? How much can I pay off this week? People don't own their own houses anymore. They bring you into the system at a very early age. And once you get into debt, you, can, you never get out, basically. Because between taxes, the income tax, the interest on your debt, and inflation, you can't get out from under. Think of the three I's. Interest payments are very high. Income taxes and inflation. Inflation is the silent tax that people don't recognize the loss of their purchasing power. If you look at the dollar bill, from the time the Federal Reserve came into being till today, the dollar is now worth about four cents. And so the situation we're facing today is we have a government that's controlled by the Federal Reserve System. And the Federal Reserve System has this appearance of credibility. And Alan Greenspan's the greatest guy in the world. And now Bernanke, you know, and all these guys, oh, the Federal Reserve, you got to have the Federal Reserve. But in reality, the Federal Reserve is part of the Communist Manifesto. They talk about America having, uh, being a capitalistic society, you know. But yet you have a central bank that makes all the decisions. That's not capitalism. No. It's a fraud. It's a lie. They, they, they deceive the people. And at some point, they're going to probably pull the plug and create the Great Depression. There's no question that the bankers, the bankers control, whether it's George Bush or Hillary Clinton or whoever it is, it doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, is irrelevant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Animal Farm Radio Show. We are now joined by Charles Ratner. Charles, can you hear us? Hello, Charles. Welcome to the show. Um, 
How are you doing right now, Charles? Well, it's great to have you. Uh, obviously, you know what we're going to talk about. Before we get started, Charles, why don't you just tell the people listening about you? Who who the hell are you? I'm an attorney. I, uh, I'm actually not a tax attorney, I should tell you, but I do uh, intellectual property law, which is basically patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Um, but as an attorney, you know, you're going through law school, you learn about all fields, and uh, I certainly think I can uh, give you some information you need about the tax system. Excellent. If you could just speak up just a little bit, Charles, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Um, before we start on this debate, I should say, I want to play Aaron Russo's kind of his pitch in the beginning of his film he you know he lays out the whole film and what it's going to be about i want to play this for all of the listeners especially yourself charles and then i want you to comment on it because uh you know when i was doing research on this i could have swore like i was telling ben before that i was going to find the answer is going to be black and white when we're talking about law but unfortunately that wasn't the case let me play the pitch uh, aaron russo's pitch and then we'll uh, we'll go from there the year was 1913 woodrow wilson was president and powerful banking interests who had been trying for years finally achieved their long-term goal of a silent coup d'etat by taking control of the American government. The first thing they did to accomplish their takeover was convince Secretary of State Philander Knox to lie to the American people and tell them that the 16th Amendment, the Income Tax Amendment, had been legally ratified by the states when it was not. The bankers knew that this tax would ultimately end up in their pockets. Because of this fraud, the American people were led to believe there was now a tax on their labor. Congress and the President are completely aware of this fraud, and it was even cited in a recent court case. That very same year, the bankers committed their second and by far the most diabolical fraud ever perpetrated on the American people by bribing senators to pass the Federal Reserve Act without the required constitutional amendment. All in favor say aye. They did this during Christmas vacation, when many senators were home celebrating the holidays with their families. And that's how the unconstitutional Federal Reserve Act came into being. They were very clever. And they understood that whoever issued the money for America would control the government. The bankers won, and the American people lost, because most politicians will sell their soul for a dollar. And now the Federal Reserve could issue dollars legally. As Mayor Rothschild said, give me control of a nation's money supply, and I care not who makes its laws. He knew that he and the other bankers would now control the laws of the nation. Government gave these bankers one of its most important powers and now had to borrow money from them and pay interest to finance the government. So the American people were forced to lower their standard of living and pay a graduated income tax to the government just so the government could give these bankers more profits. President Woodrow Wilson who signed the Federal Reserve Act into law, later said, in regret, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation 
is now controlled by its system of credit. We are no longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. That was Aaron Russo himself, for those of you who don't know. He uh, passed away last August 24th from bladder cancer. He was 64. Charles, uh, initially, I just want to get your reaction to that and that statement. What do you what do you have to say about that? Any reaction? Well, there are a number of statements in there, but uh, uh, as to the illegality of the income tax, I'm going to have to uh, disagree with the late uh, Mr. Russo's opinion. Bullshit! Uh, well... We'll talk about that, but, uh, you know, insofar as the unconstitutionality of what Congress did with the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, again, that on legal grounds, that's very debatable um, as to his assertions, and then, uh, but I think the net result that he's talking about is actually very, uh, very dead on. Uh, the Federal Reserve does create certain evils in our system and uh, does take away control from the people where it, which the uh, Constitution... Absolutely, know, yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I think... Us. You know, the, the one thing that bothers me a little bit, Charles, about this whole debate is some of the language that, that, get, that gets used, and especially in the documentary, but even online. I've read some blogs and some, uh, some entries and uh, articles. And the problem is a lot of people say there is no law requiring people to pay, and that's not true. Article 16 uh, states the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on the incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and from any census or enumeration. And, in fact, when I initially asked you about this after I saw the film about a year ago, I think, um, you had sent me that, you know, exact law. Then, you know, then I look into it further, and then there's a lot of people saying that there's no law requiring citizens to file a 1040. So the the language gets confusing because, you know, when you're trying to find out what exactly these people are trying to say, you hear all different arguments. Well, you know, and I'm sure you're not the only person that's confused and uh, as to, as to, to how this whole system works, uh, and I'm, um, you know partly thankful for that because it keeps us attorneys employed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, That's a fact. I, uh, That's a we, fact. Uh, we really didn't mean to set it up like that, but this is sort of what it's evolved into. There's, there's a lot of language to go through. There's a lot of government structure to understand, and, uh, you know, uh, we can start from the bottom up or from the top down. It depends on how you want to tackle the issue. But uh, the bottom line is there is uh, definitely written law passed by Congress, that requires you, as an individual and a salary earner, to file and pay your income taxes to the federal government. God, I love freedom. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> this is uh, this is Ben. Um, what what is that law? Okay, well, uh, you know, the uh, if you watch the Freedom to Fascism movie in there, the uh, the, the former commissioner says uh, Title Twenty Six of the U.S. Code. And you'll find that that's actually a big body of laws. There's actually thousands of little statutes within uh, Title 26. Uh, but we'll start with uh, Section 1, which says there is hereby imposed on the taxable income of every individual uh, tax determined in accordance with the following table. Um, and then it's you know in various forms for whether you're a head of household or married or individual or a corporation or an estate. Uh, so that's the basis of, uh, you know, your duty to pay income taxes as to the uh, requirement to file a form that's also in title 26 uh, section 6011 I told you there's thousands of these statutes and you have to dig deep but 
It says, uh, when required by regulations prescribed by Secretary, uh, that would be the <coughs> head of the uh, <coughs> Secretary of Commerce, any person made liable for any tax imposed by this title or with respect to the collection thereof shall make a return or a statement according to the forms and regulations prescribed by the Secretary. So I got, I got there it is, sort of in black and white, buried deep in the uh, fine print. Charles, is it true you know that you can win $50,000 for that? Yeah. Did you it, know that there's a well, contest out there for there that? There's a contest out there. I think there was. I'm not sure if there's still, there still is. Is it still going on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's right. Uh, there was a contest, or there is still a contest, I should say. Uh, uh, you know, you should look it up really quick, Charles, because I think you might be able to get some. <laughs> Maybe I got to jump on that before your listeners uh, get to, uh, um, <laughs> to the Google. Yeah, you know, because again, there is a substantial amount of, of of Americans, people in this country, who are not only fighting this tooth and nail, and literally not paying their income tax, uh, but there well, are, this is like a movement. You know, this is this is really becoming uh, quite large, and especially after this film was made, this was the voice of these people. Well, I mean, obviously, the paying of taxes is a very unpopular topic, and if you can, uh, you know, if you can present a reasonable argument, people would be happy to believe that they don't have to pay their income taxes. And in effect, if you don't file your return along with millions of other people that don't every year, uh, it'll be a while before the IRS tracks you down. Sure, and you know, none of us. And in the meantime, these people might be thinking that they're getting away with it, and that there really is uh, nothing that's being enforced against them. But eventually, they'll. Uh, find out that they're mistaken. Sure, and and before we get into some selective court cases that have you know, dealt with this issue and that kind of make up this issue, is it true, Charles, that Title 26 has to be in compliance with the 16th Amendment to make it legal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that the uh, the structure of our documents is filed, the Constitution is the highest document. It's also uh, very, it's a very short two- to three-page document. It describes in general terms the duties of each uh, branch of government, and uh, it's meets and bounds as to what it has the power to do and what it does not have the power to do. Again, all in yes. very broad terms. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from that, con- from that, Congress will pass laws that'll define those powers individually, and uh, then those laws are applied to you, me, and uh, and the government. One of the uh, more prominent arguments in this in this movement, I should say. Is and the reason why I asked that question is because they argue a lot of people in this movement that the 16th Amendment wasn't properly ratified. Now I don't even know if any of us right now could do any research and actually come up with the answer whether or not it was properly ratified. There are people who swear up and down that it wasn't, and that's why I asked the question because if Title 26, the uh, the rule of filing the actual 1040, if it has to be in compliance with the 16th Amendment, and if indeed, and this is actually another question, Charles, if the 16th Amendment wasn't properly ratified. Uh, and I would, if I'm not mistaken here, 48 states, there was not 50 at the time in 1913, 48 states, the majority would have had to have ratified this to make it legal. That's correct? It's two-thirds, yes. Two-thirds, I'm sorry, two-thirds, uh, yeah, two-thirds right, three-fourths. Two-thirds of the uh, of those would have had to come in. So I, I think a lot of the arguments here are that this was never properly ratified. Ben, you want to talk well, about that's that? That's a then? very interesting question. Let's, well, I guess, I guess, you know, if... There is it's provable or it's not provable, um, you know. It's but tough. let's let's yeah. let's just assume that for some reason they didn't ratify it. If it wasn't properly ratified, Charles, does that mean that we are actually exempt from Title Twenty Six legally? Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, if you, <coughs> I mean, you read Article Sixteen before. We won't get into the one-line text of it, but right. uh, it basically just says that Congress has the power to lay. Taxes uh, with regard to apportionment, which is a whole other legal issue that would require a lot of discussion that would 
probably bore us all before we got through it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, in essence, Congress still has the tax power that was granted to it in the body of the Constitution, the original Constitution, before the amendments uh, in Article 1, Section 8, which generally just gives it the broad duty to impose and lay taxes. Uh, so uh, the 16th Amendment was ratified for a lot of reasons at the time, simply to clarify that, you know, Congress does have these particular tax powers with regard to income and so forth. But uh, okay, so you're well, saying you know, you know, and as as far as the ratification goes, I think that the uh, it's never been seriously contended that that amendment wasn't ratified, other than by tax protesting groups. Um, you know, with the it seems that 40 states signed on to it, which is more than the two thirds required. Um, the the arguments I've heard against it is uh, certain states when they filed their ratification papers did not use the exact same wording or punctuation in the text I heard that, that, as well. that appeared in the Constitution, you know, certain technicalities. I haven't dug into the documents, the original documents, to see if that's the case or not, to tell the truth. But if it's true, again, it's just on the basis of a technicality, and is that how we really want to decide how we're doing Damn this? the consequences. So, well, before I ask the next question <clears throat> I wanted to ask, um, so is it true then that even without the 16th Amendment, is it true that we still are required, without that amendment, we're still required to pay income tax because of what's been imposed? Is that true? Because now I'm getting confused. Well, Article 1, again, grants Congress the broad power, uh, which is to lay and impose duties and taxes. So the Congress has decided that part of that grant under the Constitution of Power is the power to collect income taxes, which they may or may not at some point choose to do or not do. It's a matter of who's in power, and for the past hundred years or so, we've uh, we've been paying federal income tax. No, oh, well, here's uh, here's a question in regards to that. Um, you know, if if you know the if if that if it gives Congress power to to uh, you know uh, have the ability to collect taxes, then who decides and what decides which taxes are they're allowed to to do? I mean, can they can they put a tax on breathing? Could they put a tax on peeing? Uh. Well, you know, the the arbiters of, of, of what they can do is ultimately the, the court system. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the courts will say that the tax power, as long as it doesn't violate the, uh, you know, the, the rights of Americans under the first uh, ten amendments of the Constitution or uh, another, you know, there, there's plenty of ways that tax power can be used inconsistent with the Constitution, even under the broad grant of just a general power of laying taxes, if it conflicts with another provision of the Constitution or some other aspect of the law. Now, what so, about... in essence, they could come up with a breathing tax, but the cor- uh, court might say that, you know... It's unconstitutional. <laughs> that it's unconstitutional for any number of I reasons. Hope so. I mean, uh... But uh, you know, certainly Congress can come up with any sort of tax scheme that it want that it wants to, and if, if they have a majority in Congress to pass it, and the president's willing to sign it, then it goes into law. Right. And, Complete and, and, control with just the flick of a switch. Yeah, and, and just for the record, I mean, th- there are plenty of people, uh, people, former IRS agents, uh, that you know are fighting against this. But one particular person, uh, U.S. District Court Judge James C. Fox, in 2003, he even stated his quote was, "If you examined the 16th Amendment carefully, you would find that a sufficient number of states." never ratified that amendment. Now, this is coming from a U.S. District Court judge. So, and I think that's why the debate you know, urges on even that much more because you have him in a judge saying this. And I don't know where, where he's getting that information. I wish I could find that information. But you know, if, 
he said this. So uh, this is you know one of the reasons why I think people are buying into it because it you know you have people in high places that have done this research uh, that have the authority and are qualified to know. Well, I, I'm I'm not sure in what context that statement was made, or I haven't read that opinion in particular. But I'll say this: you know, a district court judge in the in the hierarchy of the federal court system is sort of comparable to a private in the army rather than a general. Right. I want to play Ben. Do you have a question? Because I wanted to play one clip for and and again, Charles. I mean, my approach here is uh, just trying to give you some clips from the movie because we are talking specifically about Aaron Russo's film. Um, and I want to play a, cu- a couple clips. I'll start with this one. This guy's Peter Gibbons. He, he's a tax attorney. So this is again, this is another person of uh, high, you know, high place, and he's he's qualified. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about. I want you to react to what he says. Okay? It's actually very simple. Congress tried to enact an income tax in 1894. The Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. When the Supreme Court says something is unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. They tried again in 1913, and the Supreme Court said the 16th Amendment conferred no new power of taxation. So if they didn't have it then, and they didn't get it, they don't have it. There is no constitutional basis for a tax on the wages of Americans living and working in the 50 states of the Union. Period. End of argument. And again, this is just one of many clips that I will play, at least one of four clips that I'll play. But Charles, your reaction to that? Well, I'll say this much that, that you know the 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 quote that he lays down from the later Supreme Court argument that the Supreme that the Sixteenth Amendment didn't change anything with respect to the previous powers of taxation that Congress had. Uh, you know, if you read that quote in full, and I really don't have it in front of me, but I could uh, run it down for you. Um, it goes on to say that you know under the previous powers of Congress, that Congress does have the power to lay taxes on income. And wages, and uh, that in essence, that hadn't changed in either way because of the 16th Amendment. Now, I don't know; I haven't read the previous Supreme Court case where they say that the Congress does not have that power. I may not have that power with regard to a certain type of taxation that was involved. I really don't. Uh, I'd really have to run that down before I could comment on it. So essentially, that full that that folk argument, that clip that he made, continued on further, and it basically just said the opposite of what he was saying. Yeah, I think if you read that in its proper context, that you'll see that uh, it's a clip quote, more or less. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, that obviously, Charles, you did see the movie there, and I mean, you, you must have seen uh, that particular clip. I mean, it, it, at least from watching the movie a couple times, he makes uh, several arguments. This guy appears several times in the movie. It didn't it, to me? It didn't seem as though this was just a, uh, a clip that had taken that been taken out of context. And again, I'm not I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to find out what the hell is going on like so many other people are. And the other thing, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more later on, we'll start with a couple more clips, but the thing that really bugs me is that you know there have been actual court cases that people have won against the IRS in this context. But what really bothers me about the whole thing is this could be so easily deflated, this whole argument, if the IRS would just simply come out, show the proof, show the law, and shut people up. It would end the argument, and we can move on to our next abomination. And then I think people would owe the IRS and even the government, in some regards, maybe an apology, you know, to spend all this time. What do you think about that? Why would you? Can you can you tell me why the IRS hasn't just come out and said it? And why do they avoid the question when they're asked in, in hearings? Well, I think that part of it is because they're probably tired over the years of having to uh, constantly face this question. And you know, the IRS does put that? out. Well, the IRS does put out uh, notices. They, they put out these uh, 
I know they put out one last April, some 65-page document that's supposed to briefly, <laughs> in 65 pages, boil down what the tax laws are and what everyone's responsible You've got the are. documents. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I dug around the IRS website. It seems to me they could put everything right up front there, but you really have to poke around to find the information that you would look for to answer those questions. Uh, and uh, you probably have to pull out a few hairs before you, if you got it in the end. But, uh, uh, you know, in the end, the, 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 the Code of uh, Federal Regulations and the, and the United States Code that was passed by Congress are all published documents. They're all available on the, on the Internet. The Internet makes finding these laws much, much easier than it was before there was an Internet. Trust me, I don't, I don't even know how I'd practice law if I didn't have a... Internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Charles. And again, and this is the frustration that just, uh, I, you know, that gets to me. I, I just, I'm not asking for the for the defense plans in the Middle East. All, you know, if these people and myself and Ben, you know, we're just asking for a little bit of cooperation here, and you know, we we have the right to know uh, who's taxing us, I think, and and why, and where, you know, where is the law? And we have people again who used to work for the IRS coming out and saying these things. And I'll play one more clip, uh, and then I think we have uh, come up to a break. So. Um, well, you have any other questions before we go to a break there, no, Ben? No. Um, this is Charlie Bial. This is another person who's um, he's part of the We the People Foundation. And again, I, I'm just looking for your reaction, Charles. I'm not trying to necessarily prove any point. So here's the clip. Oh, no, absolutely. The federal right government on. itself refuses to provide oh, who are coercively being subjected to this extraction of their private property without any underlying legal justification. There is no law, there is no law that requires the average American worker in the private sector to pay a direct unapportioned tax on their labor and compensation for services. There is no law. What do you think, Charles? Any reactions? Well, again, you know, uh, I, I laid out I think I uh, pointed out the laws before for anyone that uh, probably swept up the uh, fifty thousand prize, fifty thousand dollar prize from uh, from under me. Um, but uh, income, you know, the Title sixty one of the U.S. Code defines income as income is uh, revenue from whatever source derived. So uh, that certainly would seem to describe wages. And uh, you know, the income tax code then goes on to, to define what income is not. And that's really how they. They, uh, the structure of the law, they have this broad, they have right. this broad definition of what income is, and then uh, you know a whole series of sections that follow about what income is not. So income is not you know a certain amount of money that you donate to charity. Income right. Is not you know a certain money, amount of money you paid for your medical insurance. Right. Um, so that's pretty much how it works. Uh, income has not been defined as not including wages anywhere in the income tax code. Yeah, and uh, to add on that point, uh, there was one guy, Edwin Vieira. He's a profession. He's a prof- he's a professor of constitutional law. He's and this this is the one thing I think I discovered last night that I didn't really know. He said this, and I'll I'll tell you why. The definition of income in the Constitution was given in the Eisner versus McCumber case. And it turns on gains or profits that are made from some activity. All right. Now, Aaron Russo. Yeah. Great. Anyway, if if it were true, then I'd be a happy guy. However, I looked up the case myself, Eisner versus Montgomery, and uh, in the case itself, here's the quote that I found: "Income may be defined as the gain derived from capital, from labor, or from both combined." Now, Aaron Russo goes on to say right after this guy's quote. Yeah, I know, it sucks. 
Aaron Russo goes on to say right after this guy's quote that there you go, folks. You know they can't um, they can't get money from you off of your labor. But no, no, no. If it was truly defined in the Eisner case, then the quote states clear as day, derived from capital, from labor, or from both combined, provided it be understood to include profit gained through a sale of conversion or capital assets. Now, you know, am I misreading it, Charles? Does that does that mean that you know it's not labor unless it's profit gained through a sale or conversion of capital assets? What does that mean? Wow. Well, you know, you know, if it's uh, defined there, Black's Law well, Dictionary. If you wanted to get into all those terms, but uh, uh, I, I'd point out a couple of things. Number one is Supreme Court cases are not uh, are not law themselves; they're interpretation of the law, uh, and those interpretations change over time. And I think it'd be interesting to see if that definition of income has uh, survived Supreme Court jurisprudence over the years. I'm sure it's changed, especially after the 16th Amendment was passed. Uh, and leading up to that 16th Amendment, there's a lot of decisions on that issue. Uh, so whether or not that case is it now, whether or not that stands as good law, I, I'd have to go back and look up myself. Right. And I, it is it is peculiar, to say the least. Um, I, I From the time they get up in the morning and flush the toilet, they're taxed. <laughs> then they go and get a coffee, they're taxed. They get into their car, they're taxed. They go to the gas station, they're taxed. They go for lunch, they're taxed. And this goes on all day long. Tax, 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 tax. <laughs> Thank you, Arnie. Well, I certainly can't the, disagree with Arnie on that. That no, was the governor that's himself. a good one. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're certainly not, not all here to uh, celebrate the fact that we're paying taxes again. We're just trying to figure out. I mean, if we can't find out a solid answer between talking about politics is all, almost always argumentative and, and it's always about opinion. But we're just trying to figure out if this is true or not, so that you know we could we should we could know. I mean, if it's not lawful. But well, Charles, I mean, we're definitely we're definitely going to have to get you back on the show um, to you know talk in further detail about this. Um, uh, but I wanted to go back to something that you had talked about earlier when we had a. Uh, we had first started. Um, you had said that the legality of the Federal Reserve was debatable. Can you can you? Well, sort of, no. Uh, his his uh, his assertion that it was unconstitutional is debatable. Is, is my point. But uh, it basically goes like this. You know, the, the Congress is allowed to to set up agencies to uh, to take care of duties it doesn't want to do directly. I mean, remember, Congress is simply just a bunch of senators and representatives and their staff. Um, so the duties that are imposed on them by the Constitution, they set up agencies to, to handle on their behalf. The IRS is one of them. The Federal Reserve Bank is uh, technically another sort of agency, although it's a very independent, very uh, suspect type of uh, agency in that it's, it's got sort of... It's a, private. It's, it's a private bank. It's, it's a, the group it's of a group all of time. private banks, and they, they're not really answerable to anybody in the end. So well, here's, here's my question in regards to the Federal Reserve. Isn't it, isn't it that Congress has the authority to issue money? Isn't that the whole thing in the Constitution? Right. And so, so I mean, Congress turned around and said, well, we hand that duty off to our agents in the Federal isn't Reserve. Isn't that sort of like, isn't that, you know, and I'll use an example that people have used, isn't that sort of like a cop at an intersection and a person walks by and he hands him his gun and his badge and says, here, direct traffic for me? I mean, can they do that? They did it already in 1913. That's well, I know, but happened. I mean, well, is, that, is that even legal? I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's that extreme a case, but uh, it's certainly, I mean, you can't expect, uh, you know, the 
the, the centers to handle these duties themselves. I mean, that's why these agencies are around in the first place. What, what is unexpected is that they'd set up a completely autonomous uh, self-control. Something that's independent rather from themselves, Rather unchecked, right? unbalanced uh, form to, 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 to make those determinations for our entire economy. Mm. Just to clear one thing up, Charles, and I've had this debate with uh, some of my family members and my friends. Like we just talked about the Federal Reserve is not a United States organization. Is that true or false? The Federal Reserve is not a United States government agency. If they're uh, a private, if they're, in other words, if they're, my, my argument would say, if they're a private bank, they're not part of the country. They're not part of the United States. Right. Yeah. They're they're sort of an agency to which the government has handed this duty to, sort of like Blackwater in Iraq. Right. And it's it's then to me it's no wonder uh, why the currency is failing. And I don't think it's an accident. I think uh, the inflation and the fact no. the the fact it's, it's been it's been a plan of this administration to lower our currency over long. And it's been uh, going on for well over eighty years. I'm the decider. So I mean, does he, that? But he decided does, that long time ago. <laughs> does that put it to, to rest again. then? I mean, if if the Federal Reserve is a private organization, can Congress hand their governmental duties that are outlined in the Constitution to to a non-governmental agency? I mean, isn't that isn't that Mussolini's def- definition of fascism? It certainly is uh, quite a, a fascist move for for an otherwise free nation. I'll have to say that. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was saddened by it, and I think uh, you know. It, there's been good and bad with the Federal Reserve. The, the Federal Reserve has brought stability to the stock market, which before the uh, Great Depression was wildly uh, kind of looked like the market in the past couple of months all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but so uh, you know, there's good and evil and everything. So far, the Federal Reserve has sort of benignly wielded their powers. But uh, you know, as with our presidency, you can't trust that it'll always be the case in the future, can you? No, it's just we're pathetic. Can. The whole country's shot. All right, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. Charles, I'd it's actually... like we're all retarded now. <laughs> it's okay, Alex. Uh, I want to ask you, Charles, now a little bit something uh, changing pace. What What do you recommend? In other words, what are your feelings on this whole issue as far as what would you do to change it? You know, what do you what direction do you think we need to go in? Are you uh, Are you an advocate of uh, kind of like a Ron Paul mentality, or do you have a different direction that you you know you take it? What do you What would you like to see? Well, that's uh, that goes pretty deep, but uh, you know, certainly our current tax system is flawed. I think that uh, I think that corporations need to fit to pay their fair share of the, of the tax burden, and that it shouldn't fall on American workers. I think that uh, that there should be a fair way to submit taxes, which isn't uh, punitive and which isn't uh, um, take a you know too big a chunk of uh, of, of everyone's uh, you know disposable income. It's, the tax system needs to be fair. A flat tax I don't think is really a fair way to go. A graduated tax sort of is, but uh, we need to just decide how much every, every uh, how much uh, mo- how much money we need from every American uh, to keep the government functioning properly and, and just uh, apportion appropriately to each uh, so that the uh, yeah, money. Just just yeah. get just get money back to some kind cool. of uh, consistency. I think is what you're trying to say there, Charles. You know, we we need to start. Um, yeah, we need to get rid of the loopholes. We need to make it fair. We need to need to make it simple. And it shouldn't take hours at a time to fill out these returns. And it shouldn't be a gotcha kind of system where if you right. make a mistake, then you owe tens of thousands of dollars. And there's plenty of flaws in this tax system. Let's just collect the tax that we need, make it as quick and painless as possible, and, and move on from there. Absolutely. I don't want to open up a whole new can, Charles, but I do yes. want to ask the question. Um, do you think that the money collected from the income tax 
do you think it goes to anything that comes back to the American people as far as services, stuff like that? I mean, because I, I, I've heard a lot of research, and I've you know not done a super amount, but I've heard a lot of research that says the exact opposite, that before a nickel of it gets used for American taxpayers, it goes right to the Federal Reserve because of the debt that we're into them, the fact that they're the private bank. Well, we're not only in reserve to them. I mean, we're in, we're in we're in debt to a, a, a number of foreign countries, most notably China. Absolutely, that is tremendous. I mean, we basically mortgaged ourselves to uh, you know our potential enemies, and that's not really a, a safe way to That's go. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and, and just for folks, just so you know, in 2005, 927.2 billion was uh, collected by the federal government just on our income tax alone. That's almost a trillion dollars just in the income Good tax alone. Good grief. It's again. It's no wonder, Charles, that so many people are in debt and that we'll never get out of debt. Um, one more question before I guess I'll hand it off to Ben. Do you think we can ever get out of this? I mean, do you think that the dollar is going to eventually collapse within the next three years, if not sooner? And uh, do you think maybe the Amero would be the next step? Well, certainly, if we don't uh, change our uh, our course of action, we need to we need to you know. We take the role that we had in the 90s, and uh, we need we need our allies on our side, and we need our foreign policy not to be uh, a, a, just a big funnel for us to dump tax dollars down. And we're losing trillions of dollars in Iraq now, and then that that could have serviced the three quarters of our national debt what we've spent on Iraq, which uh, certainly could have gotten us out from under the rock that George Bush himself created in just eight years. I mean, remember we were in surplus before he took off. George W. Good God, you're absolutely and right. And we get back to a surplus government, and people get back to you know back, get back to believing in the strength of the American economy, and we'll be fine. The question is if. What do you think? Let me, let me say something. <laughs> in my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in. <laughs> That's George Bush. Go ahead. Well, I, I you know. What do you think about what do you think about uh, you know Ron Paul's one of his solutions about uh, you know um, legalizing uh, legalizing competition monetary competition? I'm not too familiar. Lay, uh, lay that out a little bit. Uh, well, he had talked about using other forms of currency in this own in our own country right here to sort of ease us off, uh, maybe not even ease us off, but just to legalize competition of the Federal Reserve, uh, something gold based. Uh, there's something you know called the Liberty Dollar that's you know based upon uh, gold and different forms of currency, specifically what? talking. Wow, that's news to me. Um, hey, competition's good for the market, right? I, I say why not. <laughs> well, any, you know, one thing's for sure, uh, Charles, and I think we all agree that we we need a change and we need it really quick because these eight years have felt like 80 years to me, uh, and I've only been around for so long, very very short amount of time, but. It's uh, it's it's really getting towards dark days, in my opinion. And I don't think the dollar can survive that much longer, just because of the news reports I've been hearing, uh, day in and day out. But Charles, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, and and we definitely would have you on again uh, if we can bring up this issue again, and maybe get some more guests talking about it. But uh, thanks People again. Happy to this or any other legal topics you got. I'd be happy to talk to you. Thank you, Charles. Once again, the Animal Farm Radio Show for Ben, Tony, and Pyeth. Next week, we'll see you then.